Hello, everyone, and welcome to the She Wolf Podcast. I am Devony Amber Wolf, your reluctant host, and in this series, we are talking about the confluence between chronic illness, ableism, and New Age spirituality. In the previous two episodes, we've laid out a lot of groundwork in terms of what chronic illness is, what ableism is, the modern spirituality branches of ableism, such as spiritual bypassing, toxic positivity, magical thinking, etc. And we've outlined how modern spiritualists contribute greatly to ableism using these mentalities, while also cherry-picking from cultures that aren't their own in order to gain clout and, of course, money. In this episode, using this groundwork, I want to dive into what the axis of this series essentially is. What are we responsible for as chronically ill disabled people? What is actually our fault versus what is ableism, medical gaslighting, and modern spirituality trying to get us to believe? And I think that it is probably true that throughout the ages, we've had other non-scientific reasons for illnesses, right? For example, the Black Plague that arose in Europe in 1346 was thought to be God being angry at sinners. All throughout history, women have been seen as simply hysterical. Instead of having actual, real, physical ailments, these perspectives are obviously thought-based. And these days... We have different thought-based narratives on illness, but not all of them are woo-woo, and not all of them are magical thinking, though generally the evidence about the correlations I'm about to discuss are still a little nascent in their absolute scientific certainty. So this has to do with how our minds affect our bodies, more specifically our mental and emotional states. Some, even in the medical communities, believe that these two aspects of humanity are not connected to the body, but for the most part, thankfully, it is well known now that they are. I am personally a full believer that everything is connected completely. If you read books like The Body Keeps the Score or my personal favorite, When the Body Says No by Gabor Mate, someone I reference frequently, you'll see with shocking clarity how trauma, abuse, and chronic stress can manifest in the body as chronic and sometimes acute illness, sometimes both. Now, did that person have a family history of said illness that the stress may be triggered? Sometimes. Did they develop it on their own without biological disposition? Also sometimes. Does this point towards the mental impacting the physical? Absolutely. But does it mean that the person is responsible for causing their illness? Absolutely not. Trauma most often impacts us when we are young. It will impact us when we are adults too, but it starts when we are young. We do not always have to be very young children. Even being adolescent or a young adult is young enough to not have a fully developed mind with things like worldliness and street smarts, wisdom and life experience enough to better process traumatic events. Trauma can be defined as an event or series of events that changes us for a very long time, if not permanently, in a way that causes us to feel unsafe, hypervigilant, upset, triggered and dysregulated. Intergenerational trauma is often the type that we experience in family systems But trauma may also come 
from outside of this sphere as well. Our young minds and nervous systems are ill-equipped to process trauma, and this can lead to ongoing dysregulation of the immune and nervous systems. This dysregulation can and often does inform how we deal with future stress and trauma, and it can compound. Before we are even cognizant of it, we already have a pattern that is well-defined in our body-mind connection. And unfortunately, the more abuse and trauma we've been on the receiving end of, the more likely it is that stressful, sympathetic nervous system-fueled patterns will solidify in the body, wreaking havoc on our mental and physical health. So, is this our fault? Let's say that we are 30 years old when we receive an MS diagnosis, which has been studied to occur as the result of a confluence of Epstein-Barr virus, secondhand smoke, low vitamin D, chronic stress, and in specific, extremely critical abusive family members and therefore a lot of self-critique. And just as an aside, MS doesn't always arise from these factors. I'm just giving an example. Now, 30 years is old enough to have had a career for some time, maybe a couple of kids, spouse, plenty of years of therapy to know exactly what kind of fucked up traumatic shit you've been dealing with for your whole life that may at some point get you really sick, right? It's more than enough time to figure out all of that emotional debris and get it cleared out before all hell breaks loose in your body, yeah? You're fully fledged adult after all. Let's say you're 42 and receive a lupus diagnosis, which has been studied to come partially as a result of trauma and chronic stress too, as well as other factors, of course. 42 is more time than 30 to get your shit together, so what's the deal? Oftentimes, becoming sick is the wake-up call for full system healing. It is the beck and call for an overhaul, if you will. In our ableist, capitalist-driven society, we are taught to go, 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 until we burn out, and then we are made to feel guilty that we've burnt out. We are literally taught to ignore our body's signals, anywhere from a whisper to a scream. Doesn't matter. Ignore it. It's not productive to rest. It's not productive to go slowly. Secondly, and I must reiterate, we were young when trauma first enters our bodies. We become wired for it. So firstly, we are wired, and then we are mired in a society that tells us with alarming force to ignore the needs of our bodies. Ignore that stomach ache. Ignore that twitch. Ignore those bad bowel movements. Ignore those headaches. And then once this multiplies and cascades and our body outrightly says no and we shut down, we have burnout, we have chronic illness, we're told it's our fault and that we did this entirely to ourselves because we should have figured it all out by now. If only we had spent more time on healing. If only we didn't just want to give excuses. We could still be flying high. Ableism seems to have all the answers. Ableism is infinite and has been around. It knows what to do. You, silly, frail human, who has only been alive for what you feel, what you feel is a short time. On a spinning rock in the middle of a vast, unknowable universe, you should know better by now. 
all of the intricate interplay of the body-mind to avoid becoming an unproductive wretch in my system, my ableist system. But if you don't have all the answers, this is where the modern spiritualists come in. They have the answers for you, but they'll often make sure to hammer home that is your fault as well, so that you buy into their program of healing. And we'll get into why that is shortly. But again, I'm on a bit of a tear. I tend to get this way when I'm talking about this stuff because it, it really gets me fired up. But the point is that a resounding yes, the body and the mind are completely connected. Stress, trauma, worry, agitation, anxiety, depression, they all have an impact on how we feel physically, either acutely or in a long-term sense, both. It would be incredibly and unforgivingly ignorant of me to suggest for the sake of pitting myself against ableism and new age spirituality, to say that your thoughts have zero effect on how you feel. Of course it does. And it would be false to suggest that once you do come to terms with your trauma, and you do come to terms with your illness, that you cannot help yourself feel somewhat better by cultivating a healthier and more positive even mental landscape. But that's as far as it goes. Modern spirituality, new age spirituality, with all of its bypassing and magical thinking, would have you believe that you can heal yourself just by thinking more positively. It will have you feel guilty for having wired in anxiety, depression, PTSD, traumatic reactions to things because it's not, according to them, on the light being spiritually advanced path in life. It will have you concerned that if you are angry with your illness, if you are mad at your abusers, if you are worried about your symptoms, then you are just making it worse. Positive vibes only, right? What a fucking shit show. And for those of us who do believe in the body-mind connection, I feel like we're a little bit more easy prey to these ableist modern spiritualist ideologies of fault, especially if we enjoyed an able body before our illness. We weigh wonder, where did I go wrong? What did I fuck up? Was it because I held on to anger for so long that I'm sick? Was it because I had shitty boundaries that I'm sick? Was it because I worked so hard? Where could I have prevented this? Am I contributing to my illness now by even thinking that I'm sick? What if I just changed my mentality and started thinking like a healthy person? There's so many questions that we can pose to ourselves and ultimately drive ourselves insane with. I know because I've done it. I personally enjoyed a healthy, able body before my chronic illness. And I want to say, in the spirit of parsing out and being as nuanced as possible, these aren't inherently bad questions to ask. This is where we get super, super nuanced, right? Getting sick is profound. And it brings up all kinds of desire to investigate oneself. It is a very personal, intimate, emotional, and existential process, but it's also very complex, and not just one or even two factors 
are going to go into dysregulating the body enough for CI to take place. So blaming it solely on your clinging to anger or your shitty boundaries isn't going to be it. If your illness forces you to have better boundaries, then yes, perhaps that was an ingredient in the CI recipe. If you find yourself wanting to let go of anger, maybe that's another ingredient. But where we get into the bypassing, into the binary thinking, in the good or the bad or the luminous and the toxic, the black and white arena, toxic positivity stems from assuming that if we had have not had the trauma, and more importantly, that reaction to the trauma, we'd be fine. The magical thinking supposes that if we just work on manifesting abundance mindset instead of a scarcity mindset, we'll get better. And if we sound our pussies, we'll heal our endometriosis. See, I told you I'd come for that one. I mentioned that in my stories the other day. I was like, I'm going to come for sunning our pussies. And here we go. I did it. <laughs> okay, so the problem is that not all of these spiritual modalities, even if they're cherry-picked, the not all these modalities are like completely without value. And it's not that some of them aren't helpful. It's that they're used in a bypassing way, in an ableist way, to ignore and circumvent what's real for personal gain. There will be some people out there, which we'll cover in the medical gaslighting episode, who will outrightly tell you that it's all in your head. But then there are others who will suggest that the only way to heal the body is through the head. And they say, well, I know that. I know that it can happen because I did it. Pay for my super expensive program to find out how. And these types of modern spiritualists are every fucking where, everywhere. Ever since I started my online life on the gram and other places in like 2011, 2013, I've seen these life coaches populate at an alarming rate. As an example, a doctor, quote unquote, she's a chiropractor on Twitter, posted the following tweet. An ovarian cyst is a functional gift from nature to make you more attractive and fertile after a traumatic loss. An enlarged prostate is a gift from nature to make you more potent after feeling degraded as a man. Tumors are not mistakes. They are purposeful adaptations, end quote. Now, I told you, you would be saying, what the fuck? Now, of course, this isn't a case where a modern spiritualist is telling you you're a rotten sack of garbage for getting sick and that you need to think yourself better. She's telling you that your tumor is a gift from nature, but it's the same rhetoric. It's an extremely gobsmacking example of magical thinking. An ovarian cyst makes you more fertile and attractive, and a large prostate makes you more potent? Where is the scientific evidence for this? Her followers eat it up with a spoon, and those who may be in a vulnerable emotional and physical state with one of those two reproductive examples may very well think, my goodness, maybe that's it. And part of toxic positivity is the notion that everything happens for a reason. What I saw happen in the Kundalini Awakening online groups that I was part of from 2006 to 2011 was a lot of this. Self-appointed, fully awakened Kundalini gurus 
suggesting that people's trauma, ailments, psychosis, etc., happened because of this or that, for sure. It was their reasoning that was the absolute reason. And that they always had this flowery language around it to make the person feel better and more empowered. When you are in a deeply vulnerable state, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physical, or all four, you may cling on to whatever seems to give you the most hope, whatever bears the most meaning, to help you get through the rocky time. I mean, it makes sense, right? Again, we're meat-covered skeletons on a rock hurtling through space. Like, what the fuck do we know? If someone claims to have answers, we're all ears. And this is literally the basis for all religion and spirituality. We're making it up as we go along. But as we've been outlining, some of it's harmless. Like, again, I'll use the example of Buddhism. But some of it isn't. Some of it encourages magical thinking to the point of simply drinking the sun's rays for sustenance. Some of it suggests that your ovarian cyst has now made you uber beautiful and uber fertile. And so you should be grateful. Some of it suggests that you do naked prostrations at the feet of a guru, lest you not enlighten. And if he happens to violate you while you're naked, he's only doing so using the voice of Shiva, and it's Shiva entering you and not him. Again, always placing the onus strictly away from the spiritualist and on some other entity, and always squarely on, of course, the disciple or the patient. So I can tell you what we are responsible for. As adults, we are responsible for our emotions, our thoughts, and our actions. If something is harmful or problematic within us, it is up to us to deal with it. We are responsible for the kinds of relationships that we foster and keep, We are responsible for doing everything we can to keep ourselves healthy, keep inflammation down in our bodies and hydrate enough. We are responsible for prioritizing rest, relaxation, balancing out our tasks with our playtime, figuring out what works for us there. We are responsible for moving our bodies as much as our bodies allow. We are responsible for doing our part to help others in need and keep the environment clean in our finances, things like that. And if we identify parts of ourselves that are causing us suffering, we are responsible for transmuting them. We're responsible for going to therapy and having support to figure out our own suffering and to work on it. But we are not responsible for getting sick. We are not responsible for staying sick. The only scenarios where that might be true are pretty extreme. And, of course, we must be aware of the body-mind connection at all times and tend to the health of our emotions and mental landscape with as much care as we do our bodies. It is all connected, but is not a binary. And complexities such as chronic illness cannot simply be solved by thinking differently. It is a factor in health but it is not everything. And until we abolish these bypassing binary ways of thinking, we are going to continue having people fall prey to modern spiritualists in their desperate, vulnerable states. So that's it for this one. 
we will continue with medical gaslighting, capitalist productivity, and a few other topics in the next episode. Be well. Love and Wolves. See you next time.